How we doing, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse. As always, it is Greg and myself. It's been a little bit. Greg, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Just a little tired. Obviously, you know, working 4 a.m. to noon is a uh, weighs on you a little bit, but <laughs> it'll be over soon. Don't worry. Yes, 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 yes. And then, obviously, like I told you before, we started recording. Been uh, fighting a mouse, so did not turn out like that movie. What is it? Mouse Trap, where they destroyed their whole house. Did not turn out that way, so that was good. I was afraid. <laughs> but we're here to talk about sports, not my uh, battles with the the outdoors. So we're going to go ahead and kick it off with some Ohio State news. And no, we're not going to talk about football this time. We're going to talk about basketball, not just men's basketball, but women's basketball as well. So we're going to kick it off with the men's basketball team. If you guys hadn't been kept up with men's basketball, I think – their last game is coming up if they have not already played it. Last couple games, um, as of right now, they are 11 and 16, 3 and 13 in the conference. They've lost eight in a row. Um, so I guess my my question is there for Greg. You know, like uh, what went wrong this season compared to you know the past couple seasons? I mean, you've got a lot of young talent that's kind of thrown into the mix earlier than expected or earlier than usual, and not necessarily having an established veteran uh, to lean on kind of that leads to a lot of losses. Um, you know, any wins going beyond this, we're going to be a plus uh, rather than anything else. So, uh, you know, and the way things look right now, uh, they don't probably not going to make the NIT um, and maybe get a trip to the CBI, which is the college basketball invitational. So we'll see how that works out when it comes down to, yeah, yeah, I, I think my big thing with this was when you look at this team, like you were saying, Greg, it's it's a young team, but also they're like coupling a bunch of freshmen with a lot of uh, veteran like uh, transfer window guys. So you have like uh, Sean McNeil and Bruce Thornton. Um, those are two of the guys who are averaging about 30 minutes a game this year, and they're both averaging about 10 points a game, you know, less than four rebounds a game less than three assists a game. Their field goal percentage is right around 43 and their three-point percentage is right around 37. So they're not shooting awful, but they're also not scoring a bunch of points. And these are two guys that are playing the most minutes throughout the season. So they're not really giving you that offensive um, firepower. Um, Sorry, Bruce Thornton's a freshman. Um, And then the other senior would be Justice Suing. He's a forward and he's only averaging about 12 points this season. He is averaging five rebounds. But again, his three-point shooting is only at 23%. Field goal percentage is only at 44%. So again, another guy playing 30 minutes a game isn't really giving you the offensive output that you would really want uh, to be able to compete, especially within the Big Ten. I will say like their bright spot this year has been uh, Bryce Sensenball. He's a freshman forward. I think that's really their only like maybe NBA talent that they could have that if he, I guess if he went in this draft, maybe he'd be like a second round guy. If he waited another year developed, he might be able to sneak into that first round, maybe even a lottery pick, but he did average about like 17 points this year, um, almost 50% shooting from the field and almost 44% shooting from the three point. So if they can kind of grow with this young core and focus the offense around him going into next year, I think that would be a big thing. But like I said, I think this is just a young team. They were relying a lot on transfer seniors. When you look at their assist to turnover ratio, it's 12 assists to 11 turnovers a game. So definitely not a very like productive team when it comes to moving the ball. And they weren't able to really score or put up that many points throughout the season. I think there was only maybe like three or four guys that averaged double digits and the majority and like, the only guy that was above 12 points was Bryce Sensenball. Everybody else was like 12 and 10 or something like that. So I don't know. That's kind of what I took from it. Definitely a little bit more of a disappointing season. Like I said, I think this is probably the first team in a while that we've seen where we don't have like a potential second round, end of first round NBA guy on the roster under – Um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. That's that's going to bug me. Under Holtman. Holtman. Um, yeah, under Holtman. So it's just, I think that's kind of what happened here. So I don't know what, you know, he's going to do going forward. But anything else to add on that? No, I mean, like you said, it's just, it's young talent with, with like you said, there's veterans, but nobody's established when it comes to like somebody that's really there. It's been there for a while, knows the system, knows how everything works. Um, so it, it, 
it'll come it's fixable um you know it's optimistic to think that eventually things will start clicking uh next season and so uh, there's a lot of potential for what could happen next season uh, you know certain people uh that are related to uh other nba stars could possibly come to Ohio State <laughs> you know it's wishful thinking but uh we'll see if Bronny actually pulls that trigger and uh you know as we talked about before uh we got on the podcast you know it's it's down to USC Ohio State and I believe Oregon and I think he might have took Oregon out but adding him to the mix with uh, all those returning freshmen mm-hmm. I think it's just just possibly an elite eight team um you know if if everybody comes back and if uh, if Bronny joins the mix so we'll see yes yeah that would be that would be huge but we'll maybe we'll <laughs> talk about that hopefully when it happens or when it doesn't happen and we'll kind of you know answer that question why i do think whether or not Bronny decides to come to ohio state is really going to be dependent on you know holtman and whether or not ohio state is still you know tied to holtman going forward and i guess my next question for you greg is not that holtman has had an awful career here at ohio state but do you think it's time to move on from him no not at all um, I mean, his seat's getting slightly warm. I'm talking like tepid warm, um, but I, I don't think that it's time to move on from him. He's a good coach. Uh, this will be the first time in his tenure at, at OSU that he won't be in the NCAA tournament. So that's a, that's a plus. You know, if you got to think of his record, he's uh, 118 and 66 overall and 61 and 47 in Big Ten play. So he's playing over 500 uh, in Big Ten play and, you know, almost six and a half. Uh, in in league play, so uh, you know if he get like I said, if he gets that recruiting class to come in um, and and people stick around, uh, I don't think we'll be talking about this again. Yeah, I think I think if he's able to bring in Bronny, then maybe a couple other guys will follow as well too. Um, but I I do think this is probably his worst season as a head coach at Ohio State. I think this is what this was his sixth season with Ohio State, so this is definitely yeah. his worst his worst season. I would say, like you said, his his seat is hot. I would say if next season ends up being – if they miss out on Bronny and next season ends up being around the same, then I would say that they probably look on maybe moving on. But I don't know. He has had three guys drafted into the NBA under his you know tenure there, two guys being in the in last year's draft, um, one guy being in the first round one being in the second round. So I do think that there is something to be said there that he is able to develop NBA talent, um, but we need to see him kind of take it to that next level. Obviously, Ohio State is a football primary. Like, that's where most of the focus goes into, but it is still Ohio State. The other sports at Ohio State do expect to compete at a high level when you think about wrestling, baseball, women's basketball, you know, softball, those kinds of things. All those schools still compete at a high level, and our basketball program needs to at least be competing, you know, getting into that Sweet 16 every single year. I think Holtman's had a problem getting past the second round of the tournament. So I do need to see that going forward. But I think his job is safe for right now. But like you said, his seat is is heating up. (laughs) Uh, Let's go ahead and move on to the women's basketball team, which had a much better season than the men's team. Uh, They're currently sitting at 23 and five overall, 12 and five in the conference. So all five of their losses coming in conference, obviously big 10 is, um, is probably one of the toughest conferences to play in men and women's basketball, just the style that they play in. When you look at this team, uh, they had six players who averaged in the double digits so obviously scoring is not the um, problem on this team. Just like the men's team, though, they do have kind of a not a great assist to turnover margin, you know, 18 assists a game, 14 turnovers. So obviously something to clean up. It is college ball. So these guys are probably out there, you know, just playing a little bit more free than uh, than what they might do in the pro level. But that's something they need to clean up a little bit. But what's your, I guess, overall you know, opinion on this team this year? And then do you think that they have the opportunity to win it all? Um, overall opinion, uh, I mean, they started off great. They started off the season 19-0, and 0, and that that was just fantastic. And then they kind of went on a little bit of a rough patch, losing five of the next seven games. But they had some nice back-to-back wins against Penn State and Michigan. Um, and I think if you look at the polls right now, they're sitting at 15, which would give them, I believe, a top-four seed. 
in you know the the NCAA tournament. So like at least four somewhere um, in that that mix. Uh, you know, are they Final Four contenders? Uh, you know, it's it's possible. I mean, they have the the pieces put in place to to get them there. Um, you know, if the team's healthy, uh, they're still waiting on J.C. Shelton to be full strength, and she should be able to come back. Um, and with her back, I mean, it, it, it's really possible. But, you know, they haven't been healthy all season, and they're still playing the way, way they have. So um, I don't know if they're going to win it all, but they're definitely going to go deep into the tournament. Yeah, yeah, I was going to mention, uh, you know, their two senior guards and Taylor, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, but uh... – Mike Sell, and then you said J.C. Sheldon. I think J.C. Sheldon played her first game on the fifth um, back with the team. So, obviously, having her back in the lineup being their uh, second-highest scorer this season, I think that's going to help propel them. I think we talked about them last season as well, too, being um, when they were juniors, really propelling this uh, roster forward and winning a ton of games. So, them being able to be healthy going into the tournament, I think is going to be huge. I know this team is a bit weak from the three point range. So for me, that might hinder them a little bit once they get deeper in. Um, And then, like I said, their assist to turnover ratio is not great, but hopefully with the two guards back on the court, it'll take pressure off of one from, you know, primarily running the floor and they both can do that and take turns. And, And like I said, they're both pretty good scorers within, you know, women's basketball. So hopefully that propels them moving forward i i i would at least like to see them get to the elite eight i think that's a good spot for them um and if they can continue to go on and win it all i think that would be a a bonus obviously there's there's quite a few um people on this roster that could you know play in the WNBA at the next level so i do think that that they should at least make an elite eight run um and have a really good chance of of winning it all but i don't know let us know what you guys think at home uh if 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 they're going to win it all, if you think they're going to win it all, I know that their their games have been pretty packed the past month or whatever, especially after that 19-0 run. Um, a lot of people have been going to the game. So let us know if you guys attended a game and, and what you guys think from that. So um, anything else you want to add to that before we move into our baseball segment here? No, no, I'm definitely looking forward to these uh, NCAA tournaments. I've been watching a lot of basketball lately. Um, so I, I, I I've dabbled into the sports betting uh, realm a little <laughs> bit, and that's allowed me to uh, actually pay attention a little bit more to some games mm-hmm. and um, some players that I, I wouldn't have necessarily done so without that. And I'm not condoning or you know bashing sport betting in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm just saying that it has allowed me to dive a little bit deeper into the uh, that. Um, college basketball and uh, I've enjoyed it a lot. So I'm looking forward to this tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, not to, I think when you have a little bit of money on the line, you're a little bit more amped to, to kind of pay attention more to what's going on. And, and I do think it, sports betting for some reason, you could, you could bet on the weirdest stuff. Like what are the color of the shoelaces going to be of, of the third player that comes out of the tunnel. And you're like, this is the weirdest stuff ever, but it does like, it does make you kind of focus more on like the minute details of everything and what's going on and stuff like that. So it's definitely weird and a weird thing. Cause we haven't had that in Ohio. So this is like obviously new to everybody. And um, I did a little bit for the Super Bowl as well too, kind of trying to figure out, you know, obviously not lose a ton of money, but kind of figure out sports betting in, in general. But <laughs> So my biggest regret was um, I think they called it like an octa score or something. I forget what it is mm-hmm. where, where the same player scores a touchdown and a two point conversion. And I looked at that like two days before the Super Bowl, And I was like, that's so random. And the, the odds on it were like, you know, plus 4,000 or something like that. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I could, I should put $2 on that. That's crazy. And I didn't do it. And then, through the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts does that. And it just crushed me because I was like, oh, <laughs> so much money. I know. That's crazy. I was, it was funny because I was like, I was like, because I did the MVP one and I was like, well, of course, like it's either going to be Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts. But I was like, just for fun, I put a dollar like on Juju or something like that because he was like plus 2000 something or something like that. So I was like, I was like, ah, whatever. Maybe he'll go off. I don't know. But <laughs> definitely a fun thing to get into. I will say if you guys have a gambling addiction, don't do it. But if it's something fun that you want to get into, bet a couple dollars here and there and, and have some fun with your friends. I think that's it's a good little time not to. I don't know. And you get a little bit more focused in what's going on, too. So definitely fun. (laughs) 
let's get into Greg's sport here in baseball. So obviously I don't want to get too deep into it because um, I'm sure that this will be a topic on on deck. But I did want to get into um, Guardians play a little bit. But also at the same time, I wanted to go over some of the rule changes um, and get your opinion here on Ohio verse how you kind of felt about those those rule changes. So I'll just go through I'll go through each of them and then you can kind of give your opinion uh, over each of them. So the first one is going to be the uh, pitch timer. So obviously, if you guys don't know at home, uh, there's going to be 15 seconds for empty bases, 20 seconds for uh, runners on base. Um, I, I, the whole aspect of and all these rule changes, I mean, I'll, I'll encapsulate them all in kind of one yeah. comment uh, at first. Um, but the whole reason behind all of this is not only to speed up the game, mm-hmm. um, but then it's also about safety. Um, so the pitch timer is definitely about speeding up the game. Uh, I read an article the other day that, um, you know, in the 1960s, um, an average baseball game uh, timed out around uh, two hours and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And at 10-year at in, increments or intervals, um, it started to increase by you know, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. And so, and then we move up to um, modern day baseball and we're looking at an average of uh, three hours and 37 minutes uh, for a baseball game. So that's, that's jumped an hour um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to the the actual uh, gameplay. Now a little bit of that has to do with TV timeouts and stuff like that. So you have to take into account a little bit of that. So I think major league baseball and the networks are trying to reclaim a little bit of that time back and so I think that that's why the pitch timer was put into play um, because, you know, the research I've done and I've, I've looked at is that um, people were losing interest. Uh, mm-hmm. Games are too long. I'm not, you know, whatever, there's not enough going on and, and, you know, too much time in between innings. So I think this pitch count will speed up the game a little bit quicker. Um, you know, um, I think it limits off pickoff attempts uh, led to 26% increase in stolen bases in the minors. Um, and it helped reduce game length by 25 minutes in minors in 2022. So the only thing I disagree with a little bit is that the amount of pitcher disengagements, which is pickoff attempts or step-offs, um, they only yeah. two, and any violation after that is considered a bulk. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's going to be a sticky little point um, that I just think there's going to be a lot of challenges with certain things happening like that, that that could be called a balk and then you know that's how somebody wins a game so we'll we'll see yeah i mean in a lot of this stuff too like um because a lot of the stuff that i that i was reading too was like you know like you said it reduced 25 minutes the games in the minors and then um with the uh pickoff attempts and stuff step offs being limited and increased stolen bases by 26 percent in the minors so a lot of this stuff has been played out in the minors over you know a couple seasons or more so it's definitely something that they've hopefully worked out the kinks um obviously you're going to have a game that that ends ends that way at some point but i don't know it'll definitely be interesting i do think that that trying to speed up the game a little bit, keep some people more interested um, is, is something. Cause like you, like you usually have like what, 180 or 160 games or something like that. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of baseball. 180. Yeah. That's what I thought. 182. So there's a lot of baseball to watch. So if you can kind of cut about a half hour off each game, I do think, uh, I do think it would be helpful. Uh, the other two things I'll just run through real quick is the uh, shift. Ret- uh, ah, sorry, the shift restrictions. If you guys don't know what a shift is, basically, um, depending on which way the batter bats, the infield um, and outfield can would be able to shift to the complete other side of the field. So you could have like three infielders on one side of the field um, if you wanted to. So basically now they're just um, lim- inhibiting that. So basically two infielders have to be on either side of second base at all times, and they have to be um, in the infield when the pitcher is on the rubber. The other one is they're increasing the base sizes. So they're going from uh, – they're increasing about, about three square inches, which will shorten the distance between each of the bases by four and a half inches, and then shorten the distance between home and first and third and first by three inches. Um, and basically – this uh, the, making the bases bigger. It said that it reduced injury events near the bases by 13% in the minor. So what Greg said is reducing injury, increasing the game. Um, how do you feel about these two? Shift restriction. Uh, I, I really 
have no opinion on and the only thing i'll say is that um from what i've looked at you're still going to be able to stack them a little bit towards one side or not um it, you know it, it's you know they say they have to be on either side of the, the base you know a foot or two here is going to be um what they're able to do so i i think that you know i think they'll be able to go through um playing augmented shifts if that makes sense um and still be able to accomplish what they want to accomplish so uh, i'm not too now the bigger bases is definitely i i disagree with i mean i understand wholeheartedly what it's about and why it's about um said so you know to to reduce injuries by 13 percent in the minors um but i think that baseball's been baseball for you know centuries and and i just don't think that that changing the base size is as a smart thing to do um you know it, it it i just don't like it um i think that that increases stolen bases yes um you know because the player has less um of a uh, less of a distance to travel the same with with you know bats coming out or um players coming out of uh home plate into first um you know that that distance is shortened up um and so i just i i think it it changed the game too much and i i would i could have seen if they could have done it in incremental um inches or something you know just to see how it would affect but jumping from 15 to 18 uh to me it looked like a freaking pizza box uh on the on the base pass and i just i don't like it um but well, that's, I, I guess my question for you then is like uh... Cause I was thinking about this, this was the one that, that bugged me a little bit too. Cause like the, the shift, okay, whatever. I think that kind of, that kind of cheats strategy within the game. I, th I think it's very much on the batters to be able to hit directionally. Um, as a kid, I was taught how to hit, you know, directionally. So I don't know why that was something that was taken away from the game. I know it's harder at that level. Obviously you're getting hundred something mile an hour fastballs or curveballs or whatever at you. So it's definitely harder, but um the bases was something because I, in my mind, I was thinking, well, does this does this change the way that we look at people when we talk about the the best base runners, you know, of baseball history? Does this change the way we look at it going forward for a lot of these guys who have only played for a couple years and then everybody coming in the future? You know, if somebody has, you know, a ton of stolen bases, can we compare them to you know players of old? If it's, if uh, if somebody's on base percentage is ridiculous now going forward can we compare that to somebody of old or is this a completely different era of baseball now where basically you, there's always going to be an asterisk next to these guys' names? Yeah, I, I completely agree. You couldn't have said it any better. It's, it's changed the game in a, in a way that I don't think the, you know, creators and, and the people that came before um, wanted it to. Again, I understand the reasonings and I'm not arguing the reasonings, but I'm just saying that, we it's a different game and it's always been a different game you know I, I have people talk all the time about you know the yankees winning you know all these championships back in the day and in bruno and i are saying well they've only won one since you know 2000 um but you know it's a different game and i always say that you know that the the way the pitches or the way the batters hit the way everything the way players play is, is different um but this is actually changing a fundamental aspect of the game that it was always 90 feet um and it, it just it doesn't it doesn't feel right to me yeah yeah i mean like i said it's going to lead you're going to have a lot more stolen bases at least from first to second you know obviously second to third is harder to get away with that but you got an extra four and a half inches now so i don't know you know, it, it'll be interesting to see going forward if that's because I feel like people really don't try to steal too much to begin with. So I don't know if there's going to be that much of an increase to where to where it really matters. You know what I mean? It'll just be there will always be that question in the back of your head. Did you get that many because the distance was shorter than what everybody else had to had to go? And I think that that's I don't know, not that it like cheats the game, but. It just seems like such a fundamental thing to change that there should have been more thought that that went into that. I don't know. Definitely interesting. But like I said, I'm sure that you guys will probably talk about that more um, yeah. on deck, more in depth. For sure. Um, but I did want to get your quick opinion on the Guardians. There's been uh, like a, a ton of Guardians fans. I feel like I feel like it's a Cleveland fan 
fandom kind of thing in general. You have a little bit of success um, when you don't expect it, and then you think, okay, next year is our gear. You know what I mean? So I guess my question would be like, even with the success that they had last year, should you know we tamper our expectations, or should we expect them to compete for a championship? you know, next year. My opinion is I think we should tamper our expectations and maybe maybe expect them to complete this. Now we should expect them to get where they were last year because last year we expected them to be a rebuilding team. Um, but maybe not be like, okay, now you guys are going to win a chip. This is all or nothing. You know what I mean? What's your opinion on that? I think that they are championship caliber. Um, and I do believe that in the next if they keep everything in place and they, they keep adding um, and they keep this young talent that they have, I, I, I honestly believe that, you know, we, we talked about it on On Deck. We talked about it on this, uh, you know, last year that, um, you know, all the categories in which they, they were number one or number two in. Uh, and, and it just, you know, the only thing that they lacked in is home runs. And, and hopefully, you know, like in addition, like Josh Bell uh, or Mike uh, Zanino, could add and change that a little bit. So, uh, you know, they started, was it 17 players made their MLB, MLB debut last year for that team. Um, it's they've got a lot of really young, great, great talent. And I, I see this, I see this happening. I, I see this, you know, being something, it's a well-run organization. Uh, players like to play in Cleveland. Terry Francona is a phenomenal coach, uh, manager, and I yeah. just I, I I see them doing great things in the in the next few years, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't you know I would expect them to get to where they are this coming year uh, as they did last year and possibly mm-hmm. even further. So yeah, yeah, that's that's all because I, I I do think that a championship over the next couple years is something that we should expect, right? Like. But I just think this year, like, hey, let's be like, if you can get, if you can do what you did last season and build upon that a little bit, I think I would be happy, you know, for them. Obviously, if they can win a championship, go ahead and do that. Don't, you know what I mean? Don't limit yourself. But I just think like a lot of people are like, hey, it's championship or bust. And I'm like, well, you guys were playing with house money last year and you were a lot more successful than what everybody thought you might be. So let's tamper some expectations and, and let's go into this being like, hey, if we can if we can repeat what we did last year, maybe build upon that, um, that would be amazing. And then going into you know next season, then let's go be like, let's go win a championship now. You know what I mean? Because like you said, there were 17 guys that made their MLB debut. That's still a really young roster to be like, hey, let's go out and win a chip with this roster. I'm not saying that it can't be done, but still we've seen you know when you have a, a majority young group it's hard to hard to put that together so i don't know definitely be interesting we'll, we'll talk about them a bunch because it's not like we're really going to be talking about the reds this much this year <laughs> other than uh, maybe at the end like hey uh are they gonna figure it out i don't know <laughs> so alrighty, let's go talk about another cleveland sports team in the Cavs. and you know what as much as we crapped on this man and then gave him you know a bunch of props I don't know if you guys saw, but Kevin Love was um, a part of the buyout market. Uh, Cleveland ended up buying out his contract. He became a free agent after passing all the waivers, and uh, he, you know, he took his talents to South Beach, as he said, <laughs> over social media, uh, copying his old teammate in LeBron James. So uh, I guess you know the questions that I have up here, you know, for you, Greg, is you know, I guess how do we how do we feel about this? This buyout in general, obviously, he hadn't been playing the last like month or something like that that much. Um, like, how do you feel about this as somebody that we really were like he's a pivotal part of this team, you know, going into the end of last year and the beginning of this year? I mean, we've definitely dogged him, and I, I you know, I, again, uh, I stand by what I said when I said it, but kind of mm-hmm. uh, the only thing I'll backtrack on is that you know, kind of looking at what his stats were in Cleveland and. Um, you know, you know, he appeared in 489 games. He averaged 15.7 points a game, uh, nine right rebounds, um, ranked second in the franchise history in three pointers, uh, third in defensive rebounds and sixth in total rebounds, a little over, uh, 7,600 total points. 
ninth all time. So he wasn't the greatest calf of all time, but he wasn't the worst calf uh, of all time. Um, you know, he tenure in Cleveland wasn't always great. You know, he went from a team that never reached the playoffs through his first six seasons in the team to a team that was expected to reach the finals every year following that. You know, and the, the media kind of kept his his name in the trade rumors for for years, but then, you know, that they never did it, you know, and then kind of that three years following uh, LeBron's departure, the Cavs, won, or the Cavs, I'm sorry, won a total of 60 combined games, um, and he only appeared in uh, 103 of those those games, so I think the buyout was definitely a thank you from Cleveland and that organization um, as a, you know, hey, you don't necessarily fit into our, our plan, our scheme anymore, but we really appreciate what you did and what you've done for us. And so, you know, the franchise will definitely be in his death. And I've heard even some petitions that they should retire his his number in the rafters in Cleveland. But I mean, you know, that that that's a little bit of a stretch. But mm, if um, you can see my face right now, guys. You know, um, I think he'll do good in, in Miami. Um, he's certainly capable of playing that, that center uh, position in lineups. Um, you know, expect a lot of zone defense if Kevin Love's mm-hmm. in the game for, like, smaller lineups. And on the offensive end, really, it, it ultimately comes up to whether he's hitting his shots or not. But he's definitely an elite passer. I mean, that, there's no question about that. So uh, I think the Cavs, they didn't know what to do with him, but the Heat can take care of all those possibilities. Yeah. I'm happy for him. I'm not like, I guess I'm not too upset about this. I was one of those people when they gave him that big deal, I kind of was like, why? Um, Because I felt like we were going to go into a rebuild mode and you gave him that big contract to either put people in seats or you thought that he was going to be good enough to lead the franchise to still be competitive. Um, and he just didn't show up. So I do have a lot of, I guess you could say, for a lack of a better word, beef <laughs> when it comes to that with him. Like, I'm not very happy about how he just shut himself down. Obviously, he was dealing with a lot of stuff off the court as well, too. But to, you know, take that contract, to take the responsibility of being the face of a franchise um, and to not really show up and and then when and then when everything started to seem like it was you know starting to be good again then he decided to show up and start playing and i just feel like it was a little bit too late obviously last year's run um super happy for him you know being able to put that together super happy for us as Cavs fans uh that that we could see that but i'm not really that sad that he leaves in the regards of us retiring his number no no he doesn't i I would rather see us retire Kyrie's number over him. And, and honestly, I'm not really that interested in them doing that either. So I just think that at the end of the day, this was a good business decision for both parties. He wasn't getting any playing time. And like you said, he wasn't a part of their future um, even for this season. So in kind of how you contested in what, you know, my third question was in what Miami is getting out of him. They're getting a guy who, if he's hitting his shots, perfect. If he's not, you're in trouble. So you're going to have to kind of manage that a little bit. You know, he's going to be able to get rebounds for you. He's going to be able to play a little bit of point forward if you need him to. So I just think they got a night, a guy that can come off the bench, you know, play 15 minutes for you, give you some good minutes. Um, hopefully he can give you a high field goal percentage. And, and that's really what you're getting at this point in his career. Um, I guess in terms of, I kind of already said what I will, you know, remember him for, for his time in Cleveland. Like I said, a, a guy that came in, expectations were high. I think those first, you know, three years, he did pretty well with those expectations. Obviously, he got hurt that first year. And then the next two years after that, I think he played pretty well. Obviously, they just ran into the the buzzsaw in that third year of what was uh the Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry <laughs> Warriors, which I don't think anybody would have been able to beat. But in that fourth year when it was just him and LeBron, he didn't really step up when it mattered. And I think that's what his legacy will be with the Cavs, that he just didn't step up when it mattered. Um, and he he really was only there for when it was good, not for when it was bad. So um, what will you remember him for his time in Cleveland? That we wanted to trade him for a diet coke can. 
<laughs> no, an empty Diet Coke can. I didn't even oh, want Diet Coke easy. out of it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a dollar. <laughs> a dollar. Yeah. I, just, I mean, you know, players come and, and go, and as far as, is, uh, you know, your talents and your, I don't want to say versatility because that's not the right word, but, um, you know, sometimes you're you're in the zone and you can hit your shots and you play great, and other times you have no idea what's going on in their personal lives and what's mm-hmm. going on, you know, behind the scenes and, and, and you know, the general manager and, and the discussions that have had with them. And it, it's, you know, it's easy to, to um, call out anybody for poor play um but there could be other aspects going on about you know uh, i'm not a necessary a, a diehard cats fan so it doesn't hurt me either way yeah um I, I just again looking back on it he you know he did a lot for the Cavs while he was there uh, he led um you know was in the top 10 at least in a lot of categories um so you got to give him some props uh, yeah you yeah, know i'm not saying he didn't do anything i just i think his what he'll be remembered for is just not not showing up when it mattered. That's just, I don't know, that's my opinion. Let us know what you guys think at home. What what will you remember Kevin Love for, you know, when he wore a Cavs uniform? But let's go ahead and finish off with some MLS talk. We're going to start with the crew here. Um, obviously, the crew did not make any crazy moves this offseason, if you guys weren't aware. They only added um, two people, I believe, and those, those two people were defender Jimmy Medriana and sorry defender yeah defender Jimmy Medriana and forward Christian Ramirez both being uh, 29 and 31 kind of journeymen within the MLS um, and they look to either be kind of starting for the team or filling up a backup role so my question from this would be you know do we feel like this strategy of kind of seeing what um, what we have and then maybe making some changes part of the way through the season. Do you think that's going to work for this team? I mean, we'll, we'll definitely have to see if it'll work. Um, I don't think that the the black and gold ever planned on adding any you know many players with big names this off season because they wanted the the first year coach to kind of get his you know familiar with this team. Um, you know, we've got decent people, and, and we talked about this last year that. Um, it's you know it's not a, it's just a matter of scoring some goals. Um, I think they you know defensively the crew allowed the fourth fewest goals in MLS uh, a year ago. So um, you know as long as they can increase their goal scoring, um, I think that that's the major key. And and getting the players on the same team, I'm sorry, getting the players on the same page um, and with the coach allowing them to kind of just gel and vibe in a certain way. Um, rather than continuing to subtract or add pieces. Uh, it's a good idea. Um, you know, they were just out of the the playoffs last year by, you know, just that one game. So uh, I think it's a smart move, and I think that this is – I have higher expectations than I, than I do – than I did, I think, last year at this time. Yeah, I mean, Nancy is uh, – I think I'm saying that right, Nancy – is uh, is really good at – I guess developing young talent. Um, he started, you know, a lot of his beginning of his career was with, um, you know, the developmental leagues within the MLS. So he kind of built up through that point. So he's very good at developing players and putting them in positions to be successful. So I think that's what he wants to see if, if he can pull some guys from the crew two team and see the young guys that we have on this roster, if, if they can go ahead and, and, you know, put together a winning season. I think either way, win or lose, you'll see them look to add some players in the transfer window. I think if they're if they're winning and it's working out, they might only add like one or two players and there probably won't be like big name guys. They might just be like some guys that can help out rotationally. If they're just not having any success whatsoever, I can see them going out and trying to add some guys that can really impact the roster going forward. You know what I mean? I think that'll be something that that we'll see. And and the Haslam's have have shown that they're willing to spend the money if the right person is there. Um, obviously, last year they brought in Cucho Hernandez. So I just think that that's, that's where we're at this season. And and hopefully he's able to, to win some games right off the bat. I know how unforgiving crew fans can be sometimes, but I think if we can give him a couple seasons to build the team that he wants and develop the guys that he wants, we'll be right back uh, in playoff contention. So another team that is looking – 
to be a consistent playoff contender in Ohio is FC Cincinnati. If you guys didn't know, they made a pretty deep run into the playoffs last year. Um, I think they added maybe a couple veteran guys in the offseason, just like the crew did, but they're really kind of just sticking with the roster that they have and developing, um, you know, the guys that they have there. I kind of view this team the same as I do like the guardians. This was a team that wasn't expected to perform as well as they did, but they did perform really well. So, you know, I think continuing to build and continuing to, you know, build a culture of, I guess, success over time is going to be super important, but I guess, Greg, what is your expectation for, you know, this young franchise going into their fifth season, in the MLS? Um, I think they're going to make the playoffs again. Uh, I really do. I kind of do my research on them. Um, was a little bit uh, taken aback by just the kind of their potential. Um, you know, a lot of it's going to have to do with how good Brandon Vasquez uh, does. You know, he hit the net 23 times in 44 regular season and playoff games uh, since 2021. Um, and that's 18 in the 2022 regular season. So, you know, they already have an entertaining, uh, impressive you know, group and, and they've upgraded in a couple of key areas in the soft season, including center back and right wing back. Um, so as long as Vasquez, Brenner and Acosta uh, connect again, as they did last year, there's no reason to suggest that they can't finish higher, you know, up in the Eastern Conference uh, and go deep into the playoffs. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the orange and blue. Heck yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try to watch some games this year, too. Like like you said, I don't think they have a problem putting the, the ball in the net. So I think that's going to be something that if they can build off of and continue, I do think this is a team that makes the playoffs this year as well, too. So um, I realized that I, I feel like I skipped a couple topics <laughs> for some things. The first one being with the crew there, their, um, their new uh, Velo City kit uniforms. I don't know if you got a chance to look at those, Greg, but um, – I don't know how you feel about those, if you like them, if they seem cool or not. I actually did not get a chance to look at those, so you can just edit this part out. Heck yeah. Well, I mean, I'll keep it in there. If you guys want to look at it at home, I will say this. Once you look at that, go ahead and look at the, uh, I think it's Tennessee has a soccer team. Look at their kits, too. For some reason, oddly similar. Very interesting. (laughs) Almost like they were like, hey, let's cheat off each other a little bit. Same colors. Yeah. All righty. (laughs) but um other than that i think i skipped you know the topic about the Cavs and what we thought their ceiling might be um after the trade deadline in the buyout market obviously they you know kevin love exited and they added danny green into that team another veteran guy that can knock down some shots um just looking at what they've done so far this season what do you think their ceiling is going into the playoffs with everything that has shifted and changed within the uh, nba I mean, I think they'll make it into the, you know, the, 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 um, the playoffs, but you've got too many powerhouse teams out there right now, uh, especially um, 76ers, um, Boston, uh, Boston's looking spectacular right now. Um, I think that there's just too many things in their way to get them deep, deep into the playoffs this year. But I think that, uh, I think adding Donovan Mitchell was it was a it was a key piece and and um, mm-hmm. you know uh, I see them consistently playing for the playoffs um, over the next couple of years. I don't know if I necessarily see a championship run out of this team uh, with what they have, um, but if they keep what they have and those players continue to develop and grow, um, there is potential. So that's where I'll stand with that. Yeah. I think the only I'll say this, and this is going to be a bold stance. I think realistically, the only team in their way, if if they play, if they play at their best and they're healthy, I think the only team that's in their way is the Boston Celtics. I don't believe in Philadelphia because I don't believe in James Harden when it comes to when it matters. And Joel Embiid can't do it all by himself. I would like to say that Milwaukee could get it done, but the rest of that that rest of that roster is really aging, and I don't think, depending on how Giannis's wrist is going forward, they said it's not that big of a deal, but I think it's on his shooting hand, so that that can affect people going forward. Um, and I just again, I don't think he 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 can score a bunch of points, but I think we have the bigs in the center that can slow down his his inside game enough to where we could win those games. 
Um, other than that, I don't see another team that knocks us off other than the Celtics. I think the Celtics are probably the best team in the NBA right now when they're fully healthy. They have their their two superstars that they have are unbelievable. Um, obviously, Jason Tatum broke Jalen Brown's face, so that's going to be a tough one going forward. But, I mean, when those guys are healthy and the playoffs hit, I just don't think anybody in the East is going to be able to beat them. I think they're going to make another finals run. But I think that's the only team that's in our way. Um, so, obviously, from the West, depending on who makes it, like if the Suns make it, um, or other than that, I don't know – unless the Warriors are full strength and they make it, that might be the other team where I could see that could beat the Cavs in the finals. But other than that, I think they have a pretty good shot with pretty much anybody else in the West. Yeah. I mean, Boston's just, just killing it. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Suns, I think that what, uh, what Westbrook um, joining the Clippers um, could be, you know, it's not going to be anything. <laughs> you know, I, I, I honestly, I, I really root for him. I don't know why I do, but I really, I, I feel like he's he's kind of um, been given a bad rap, um, and I think that he really wants to play well and wants to do well, um, and it's just not necessarily fitting in um, mm-hmm. in certain programs and certain systems. Um, well, and I don't think so. I think people I think everything is expectations, right? When you look at a player like Russell Westbrook, you're getting a high energy guy who's not very efficient at shooting the basketball. So if you understand that then you play you play him to his strengths and he can score points but he's not very efficient at it and he's not very efficient at taking care of the ball so you have to be able to put him in a situation to where one he doesn't have to handle the ball all the time and two he doesn't have to be your second or third option scoring wise he can really take his time and pick his spot so on the clippers obviously he's going to be their their third scoring option he can take time to pick his spot but I don't believe in him in big-time situations. And Paul George, he chokes in the playoffs. The only guy that they have that can play in big-time situations is Kawhi, but he's always hurt. So in theory, the Clippers on paper, if they were 100% healthy and everybody was playing their best, yeah, I do think that's a team that that could make a playoff push. But I, I just don't, I don't believe in them. I don't know. It'd be interesting. But yeah, but the Cavs speaking-wise, I do think like – I believe that the Cavs are a Eastern Conference Championship caliber team. Whether or not they get there is up to them and up to how they play. But that's how I feel. I feel their ceiling is Eastern Conference Championship, and then anything after that is is plus. You know what I mean? It'll it'll be a fun time to watch. <laughs> so, alrighty. Um, anything else you want to add? Any other no, topics? No, I think no, 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 no. Move on to uh, the uh, double take. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we're going to go into our double take seven. If you guys don't know, pretty much this is just Greg and I saying one cool thing um, about sports, anything in life. Normally, it's like a cool Ohio, Ohio fact that, that we go back and forth with. Um, I'll let Greg go ahead and go first because I think mine is not very fun. So, Or do you want me to go first if I think mine's not very fun? Well, why don't you go first because we don't want to ruin the episode at the very end <laughs> with, with the, you know, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, my boring one that I found, because I just couldn't find anything interesting and I couldn't remember if some of the things I found we had already said or not. Um, so I went the uh, I went the weird laws in Ohio route because that's the that's the rabbit hole that I found. So the one weird law that I found um, that seems kind of that I've never, never heard of or never done um, was that I guess every single time you pass somebody, you have to honk to let them know you're passing. Um, and if you don't, technically, they can give you a misdemeanor. And if you're caught multiple times not doing it in a short time span, then you can serve jail time. So think about that. That's stupid. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Or you're supposed to wave. It says that in the law. Because I was like, I was like, there's no way that's real. So I was kind of trying to look it up and stuff like that. The other ones were kind of goofy. Like there was one that you can't sell cornflakes on Sundays and you can't walk a cow down a certain street in Cleveland near Lake Erie. I was like, these are goofy, but I think a lot of them been changed over time, (laughs) but those are like two, like those are like two or three that I saw that were just kind of goofy, but all right. What do you got? Well, in it is February. So in honor of uh, black history month, um, which we should celebrate black history every month of the year, not just February, but uh, I figured I would uh, add some little Ohio, um, uh, 
black history facts for you uh, to, to end it off. So the first uh, African-American woman to gain a bachelor's degree was Mary Jane Patterson in 1862 from uh, Oberlin College in Lorain County, Ohio. In fact, Oberlin College is the first university in the nation to admit women in 1933 and African-American students in 1835. And the first African-American athlete to win a gold medal in an individual event at the Olympics was DeHart Hubbard. You know, everybody thinks of Jesse Owens and stuff like that, but DeHart Hubbard of Cincinnati, Ohio, for the long jump in the 1924 Paris Olympics. Wow. So that was some Ohio uh, Black History Month facts for it. Well, there you go. There you go. See, I knew Greg's would be a little bit more fun than mine. Mine was a little bit goofy. His was right on par with the month. So um, if you guys have any cool facts about Ohio that you want to share that maybe we don't know about or haven't found or haven't spoke about, let us know. Obviously, let us know about anything that we talked about in this episode. If you guys have an opinion on it um, and if we miss something, let us know as well, too, so we can kind of go back and forth on social media with you um, about that as well. And then if you guys are interested in coming on and just having like a a one-off conversation with us on one of our shows, reach out to us on social media um, or email us at deepdivesports at yahoo.com. And uh, we'd love to have you on and uh, talk about sports with you. So other than that, I'm Nick and I was joined by Greg today and this was Ohioverse. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Ohioverse. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show and sporting news in Ohio, go ahead and follow Ohioverse Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you. And catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm.